최고 Hello and welcome to another episode of Ferret 64 with me, your host, Yemi the Ferret. How's everyone doing this fine week? We're finally back to being a bit more normal with our podcast schedule. Uh, the top 10 list came out last week. The Ferret Awards was two weeks ago. Um, and I also had a small podcast last week as well for the just the news that happened that past week too. For a January, we're getting slammed, and I mean slammed, with news and video game releases leading up into February as well. So we are eating good this year so far, which is kind of crazy because you don't you don't really see a lot of game releases in January. I think last year, what well, we had Dead Space remake in January, and that was kind of it for like new games. Even through February, it was mostly just kind of indie releases that were good and, you know, not much AAA space stuff. But, you know, uh, th- this this year is already shaping up to be quite an interesting year, if I do say so myself. So, sit back, relax, and listen to some video game news, occurrences, first impressions, and so much more as we go through the week's news and to start it off, we have what was announced at that game showcase. All right, so I actually forgot about this, but uh, the Xbox Developer Direct happened earlier this week. I think it was on Thursday. And um, yeah, I gotta say, after going through and actually watching it in its com- to its completion to fully. Uh, it actually had a lot of good stuff in it. Um, I When I tuned in, it was pretty much just for the Indiana Jones stuff. I had kind of forgotten that the show was happening, like I said. So I tuned in late, watched a little bit of it late. And I just kind of looked at the highlights of what had already been announced. And I was like, oh, that's a good slate, uh, but nothing too eye-popping. Well, I mean, I'm here to tell you that after watching through the whole thing for a full time, like actually watching it and digesting everything that was being shown off, I gotta say, like, this is looking to be Xbox's year. Now, I know people said that for last year, but let's be honest, this year seems like Xbox's year. They have uh, four games coming from their various studios throughout the Xbox realm, that just look fantastic. And then there, there was one surprise show showing from Square Enix here, showing support for the Xbox, which is uh, uncommon, <clears throat> I would say. So, in the Xbox Direct, Xbox Developer Direct, uh, they started off with Avowed, which is coming from Obsidian. And it actually, I mean... I already kind of figured that this was going to be a good game. <laughs> you know, I uh, I remember seeing the uh, first clips of combat and stuff like that that they were showing off, and it looked good, but it looked maybe too Skyrim-y. And I th- obviously that's kind of what Obsidian was going for, I believe, was kind of like, oh, here's a first-person fantasy RPG set in a fantasy world. You have spells, you have blah, blah, blah. It seems like instead of casting things directly from your hand, 
you actually are holding wands now, which I don't believe was shown off in the original uh, showing of the game or like the original clips of the game. Obviously, you still use your hands for like special abilities, like pulling up roots to, to hold enemies in place. But it seems like if you want to cast fire or ice or whatever, um, you need to have a wand in your hand, which is kind of fun, kind of fun. They also showed up that you're going to use guns. There's, like, guns in this game. <clears throat> a flintlock pistol, it seems. Uh, so you can actually dual-wield pistols. Uh, I don't know how slow they are to reload, seeing as they're a flintlock pistol. But, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, and they also went over just how many, like, combinations of gear and stuff that you can put on to really mess up, you know, change up your play style. They also, they also went over how... You can have multiple different um, loadouts that you can switch between on the fly to really change up your gameplay from moment to moment, which is actually something very refreshing to hear that you're not locked into a certain class or build, um, you know, kind of like how you are in, in Skyrim and stuff like that, even though a lot of times, you know, in Skyrim you want to use the same build so you can level it up, but I digress. Uh, they also went over some of the side, like a side quest or so that you can find, um... Nothing too interesting. They just kind of just—they just, just kind of described uh, how your actions will change the world as you go through it, which is you know normal for an Obsidian game. I mean, even even Outer Worlds, which I really enjoyed Outer Worlds. Um, there was like it, there wasn't a grand scope to a lot of the side quests, but there were a couple that actually really affected the areas that you were in. With Avowed being on one planet and spanning an area for you to encompass. Um, I'm sure that that will come into play more in this game than other, than the other games that they've done. Eh, maybe not, maybe, maybe, maybe more so, maybe, maybe less so than Fallout New Vegas. Who knows? We'll see. And, uh, yeah, the game's just looking really good. I mean, it looks like, um, I mean, the, the, the visuals are, are on par with anything that you may have seen last year or, or whatever. Um, uh, I, I, I seem to, <clears throat> I want to closely relate to maybe Baldur's Gate in, in visual style, um, a re realistic style with tons of different races and, and stuff like that to, to, uh, and places to go to and explore. So, um, very interesting stuff looking pretty good. Um, yeah, can't wait. Uh, this comes out in fall of 2024. Next up was Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice. No, just kidding. Senua's Saga Hellblade 2 was shown off. <laughs> um, and once again, this is looking incredible. Now, we didn't see a lot of gameplay, but what we did see did look pretty flashy, did look pretty stylistic, which is great. Um, the graphics look amazing. Um, the areas that you saw, the areas that you that they showed off, the animations on the characters and when they're talking and the walking just looks so fluid and lifelike. And they're definitely putting their all into the visual style. Um, I do hope that the same level of meticulous nature comes to the other parts of the game as well. So far, it looks like combat is going to be very much different from the original game. Uh, the first game had a very arcade style, just kind of like hack, 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 dodge, hack, 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 you know, slash, slash, slash. Um, this one looks like it's going to be a little bit more flowing. Uh, maybe, I'm not sure how to exactly describe it. It just looks a bit more flowing. looks a bit more natural, I guess. Um, so yeah, that, I, I hope, hopefully that'll be, that'll be pretty good. 
Um, the visual flair is from Iceland because Senua is going to Iceland to hunt down the band of Vikings who sacked her village. Um, and then they also put a big emphasis on the spatial audio, that 3D audio. Um, instead of it just being on the character speaking to you, like in Senua's Sacrifice, uh, it's going to be for all aspects of the game, which is, of course, you know, going to be a lot more immersive. Um, and they also recommended, once again, to use headphones for this game to really immerse yourself. Uh, the music, that, like uh, like we already know, they're teaming up with Hellhung, which is like a Nordic kind of band, uh, metal band. Uh, not, I mean, not metal. It's like, it's more like folk metal, I guess you would say. And it's all, it, it all looks like it's coming together quite nicely. Um, I cannot wait to play this. Uh, this is coming out May 21st, um, barring any delays, of course. And uh, it's it's an exclusive to Xbox, which is a quite the turnaround scene as Senua's Sacrifice was an exclusive to PlayStation for about a year. So uh, we'll see if Senua's uh, Saga comes to other platforms as well after the release. But uh, as of right now, it's coming May 21st. You can get it on Xbox Game Pass or... Um, buy it yourself if you want to. It looks pretty good. So Square Enix showed up at the presentation as a surprise. And they showed off the new game, Visions of Mana. Which, uh, it is it is quite surprising that um, Square Enix is hopping on the Xbox train. Because uh, they've been kind of buddy-buddy with PlayStation for a while and Nintendo. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's interesting to see them showing off Visions of Mana. Now, they didn't say that the game was coming to, like, Game Pass or anything, uh, but they did say that they are excited to launch the game on Xbox in summer of 2024. Uh, this is a new JRPG uh, coming from the series Veterans and also some New Blood mixed in there as well. Um, there's been a couple games in the Mana series, which I didn't really know about. Um, it looks like you'll also be able to pick up the game on PC and PS5, so it's not like it's being only released on Xbox. But um, yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, for for a JRPG that kind of reminds me of uh, Dragon's Quest, um, because obviously they had the up they they they're not doing pixel graphics for this one. It's a open world, colorful, vibrant world. Um, yeah, it looks like Dragon's Quest in a lot of ways, but the you know the monster designs are kind of cute and cuddly, and uh, the the graphical style is very like cell shaded, you know. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm probably not going to be picking this one up, but uh, it does. I mean, it is gonna it is gonna tick some boxes for people in the J, you know people who are fans of JRPGs and stuff like Dragon Quest. So um, I can definitely see a lot of people being excited for this, especially people who are fans of the series. Um, because they got the veterans of the series and some new blood in there mixed in, so it's 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 definitely going to be. Um, hopefully, it's going to be what people want from the series uh, as an evolution of the series. I believe this is the first vision uh, mana game to come out in like 15 years, so uh, we will see. We will see what happens. So this is coming summer 2024, like I said. Next up was Ara History Untold. I believe. General Kenobi showed me this game. I don't remember if... I actually don't remember if he did or not, but I, I seem to remember we, us talking about something similar to it. Ara History Untold is a new game coming from Oxide, which is the same people who did Civilization V. And if you know me, you know that I love Civilization V. 
Civilization 4, eh. Civilization 6, eh. Civilization Beyond Earth, eh. Um, Civilization 5? That's my shit. That's one of my favorite games of all time. So when they say that a new game is coming from the studio who made Civilization 5, and it's a, it's and it's kind of looking like Civilization 5 with, with improvements to it in terms of gameplay elements, city building elements, etc. You know that I'm going to be strapping in for the long haul. Um, this is uh, looking to be like a very good strategy game that uh, spans multiple ages of the world. Uh, there's more uh, leaders than ever to choose from in this game. There's more like world to see in the game. Obviously, uh, the the areas are going to be procedurally generated that you jump into, but you know, you start your you start your little town, and you start building from there and you choose what to work on and there's a new like crafting system mixed in there that uh, for like building swords to um, equip your army with and and that such and of course uh, you can kind of win the game in multiple multiple ways just like civilization but uh, they said that there really is no um, you know there's no direct like oh you do this to win like it's it's, it's very much like you kind of do your own thing and whoever makes the greatest civilization at the end of it all uh, wins um, which is pretty cool too I always was like a culture kind of guy when I was playing I never really built armies and stuff like that I try I mean I, I've, of course I played enough civilization to try um, but I never felt satisfied doing that um, like played as Genghis Khan or something like that um, so yeah, I mean, the, you know, obviously this is this is looking really good. I'm very excited for this. Um, lots of different uh, reasons to be excited for it. If you want to check out the whole presentation, I definitely would recommend that. If you are a fan of Civilization, or even Ox, just Oxide in general, um, this is coming to PC Game Pass in fall of 2024. Um, yeah, it just it just it's looking it's looking really good. Like I said, I love Civilization Five and the DLCs that they added to it. This looks like they are just taking that that bone, the bones from that, and just building on that. Uh, because obviously, they I don't think they can make another Civilization game because Sid Meier's owns the IP and they give it to different studios every so often. Um, so I don't I I'm wondering if this was like a pitch for the next Civilization game that just didn't get didn't, that they didn't you know Sid Meier's just didn't use, <laughs> and uh, they're just like okay well fuck it we're we're gonna make our own game then and here's Ara history untold so like I said fall 2024 check that out I'm very excited for that uh, I really do love Civilization Five and coming from the same developers as that game uh, you know I'm interested. And finally, the piece of resistance, Indiana Jones and the Great Circle. Yes, it is being called the Great Circle. It makes sense, though, after the trailer came out. Uh, apparently, there's the, the main plot of the story is that uh, all these different monuments on Earth, these ancient civilization monuments or, or temples or whatever, form like a big circle around the globe. So that's what the Great Circle is all about. They showed off some gameplay. They showed off some cinematics. They showed off some developer talk, of course. They uh, showed off some exploration and some combat. And at first, I'm a little bit turned off by the whole notion of it being a first-person Indiana Jones adventure. I feel like part of the allure of most Indiana Jones properties is Indiana Jones himself. And not being able to see him 24-7 could come as a hindrance to many people. Um, but if you actually watch the gameplay itself... Um, 
It actually looks really good. Uh, there are there are moments in here that definitely might work better in third person, but for the most part, it's from Machine Games, and they're known for the Wolfenstein games. And I I feel like um, I I feel like this is. I mean, it should have been like, duh, of course they're going to do this kind of thing, a first-person Indiana Jones game. Um, but I think they were also the perfect people to make this because Indiana Jones, the movies, have always been a, a bit brutal, right? I mean, uh, the first movie has the the one uh, buff Nazi guy getting his body sawed by a by a plane blade, you know, and and uh, don't I mean, who can forget the 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 ending of the movie when all the faces melt off of the people? Uh, you know, think about Temple of Doom. I mean, they're they're pulling hearts out of people. The Last Crusade. People are getting run over by fucking tanks and shit. Like, it's a uh, Indiana Jones has always been like a very brutal series. Um, I know they've kind of toned it down a little bit for the newer movies, but uh, this looks like it's harkening back to what we know and expect from Indiana Jones in general. Um, I also like the idea of you know being Indiana Jones and actually going into these temples and doing stuff in these temples. Uh, we recently played um, Indiana Jones and the Staff of Kings, which is a PS2 game. Obviously not a great game in general, um, but I don't think Indiana Jones... I don't think Indiana Jones games need to do much to kind of start the imagination, right? And one of the coolest things about that that uh, staff of the of the king or whatever was that ending sequence where you 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 are like cr- you cr- you crash land a blimp into the sea and it parts because you have the staff or whoever has the staff and you got to follow the guy with the staff and the water's closing in on you. It's a really cool sequence, you know, for a game that is kind of mediocre. It was a really cool sequence. So this is looking like, hey, we uh, we are trying our best here to make a genuine um, Indiana Jones experience, and you actually put yourself in the shoes of Indiana Jones to to like, really immerse yourself in the character. Now, um, like I said, I'm not like 100%, 100% sold on the, uh, the notion of first person, um, but the combat does look fairly good, and the action sequences do look pretty good, too, in general. Uh, once again, I just, I just, you know, there's some things that just like, ah, that, that would probably look a little bit better in third person because you actually see Indiana Jones jumping from plane to plane or, or whatever. Um, but I will keep an open mind seeing as I am a pretty big Indiana Jones fan, even though I didn't really, you know, I'm not a huge fan of Crystal Skull. I didn't even go, I didn't even go see Dial of Destiny, <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, I, I grew up with Indiana Jones, uh, watching the three, the trilogy of movies and playing the games, uh, I played uh, Staff of Kings on Wii back in the day. Um, so, yes, it, it's just looking good in general. It's, it's looking really good. It, it's 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 not it's not like it's not like a cash grab type thing so far. It's not just an asset flip from like Wolfenstein or something like that. It definitely looks interesting. They got the whip gameplay in there. You pull out a gun every so often. The story seems pretty interesting. Um, Todd Howard actually showed that he's human and said that he was nervous coming to Lucasfilm with the idea for the game. So there you go. <laughs> um, I just, uh, yeah, I'm very, very excited to get my hands on this eventually down the road. It is coming in 2024. They did not say when. They did not have a uh, official release date or even a window. Um, but we can only guess that it's going to be coming later in the year. Um, so, yeah, uh, we'll see how that how that works out. Also, I believe Nolan North is voicing the character. And he seems to be doing a pretty good job of emulating uh, young Indiana Jones from the you know the, the original trilogy. 
Um, and actually, this this game takes place between uh, the Last Crusade and um, not Temple of Doom because Temple of Doom is a prequel. Uh, the Last Crusade and Raiders of the Lost Ark. So it's a good time. It's a good time period to put Indiana Jones in. It's a time period that we don't have a lot of information on what what he was doing, you know, um, because there is a significant time jump between the first movie and the second movie. Uh, but uh, yeah, you know, well, you know, whatever. It looks it looks great. Can't wait to play it. And um, yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. And that was the Xbox Developer Direct. Developer underscore direct. <laughs> and, yeah, it was actually a really good. I, I, I feel like the, everything was at least interesting. The surprise of having Square Enix be there was interesting, even though I didn't really vibe with the game. I thought that it was at least interesting to watch that stuff. Um, Avowed looking good, great even. Uh, Hellblade looking fantastic. Indiana Jones looking pretty good, all things considered. And Aura History Untold being a surprise like, I'm very excited for that now after seeing some more stuff about it. So I'm giving this one an A. A. Uh, very, very good. One of the, one of the, I mean, you know, it's the, it's the best, it's the best direct of the year. It's the best showcase of the year so far. <laughs> the joke is that there hasn't been another one yet. <laughs> All right. Let's go ahead and move on to what have I been playing this past week? Okay, this past week, Prince of Persia, The Lost Crown came out. This is the first big game of the year, I would say. And it's already coming around on the 20... I mean, it already came around. Like, that's that's crazy. Um, Like I said in the last segment, like, usually January, February, sometimes even into March is kind of like the lull for video games. And this year, we're not getting that. I mean, Prince of Persia, right now... Uh, Suicide Squad kills the Justice League. Hellblade, I'm sorry, not Hellblade. Uh, Hell Divers Two. Uh, that Pacific Drive game is coming around and in, in soon. Um, there's that Final Final Fantasy Rebirth. Like, there's just so much coming out. And uh, Prince of Persia was like the 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 first piece of the puzzle here coming together. And uh, it's so far for a Ubisoft game. I know a lot of people like to shit on Ubisoft. It's very well done so far. I think the main thing that this game is striving in right now is the the visual flair of the game uh, linked in with the combat for the game. Um, the game starts off a bit slow for like the I would say like the first couple of like the first sequence I guess because there's like an opening where you kind of learn the basics. They give you basic you know basic like here's how you hit, here's how you parry here's how you dodge here's how you jump you know kind of things and it's a very flashy sequence though because you're running across a battlefield there's soldiers in the background fighting and um there's enemies coming towards you and attacking you and it and of course it all led up to like a big bomb bombastic boss fight at the end um and then it kind of simmers down gives you some lore for the time period you're in and and what you're doing um essentially you're an immortal you're in Paris, uh, not Paris, Persia. <laughs> you're you're in Persia, the Persian Empire, and the Immortals are pretty much just the protectors of Persia. They get called upon when the situation is dire, and uh, essentially you you get like a you get like a, a reward or you get paid for your services or whatever. And all of a sudden, the prince the prince is captured. The prince of Persia, the name of the game, <laughs> and so you you go on a quest to hunt down the people who took him. 
and that leads you to like the city where King Darius, the King Darius built it, and uh, it's like stuck in time. Like there's the time is not flowing normally in in the uh, in the area in the town in the city, and that kind of starts you on your path. So there's like undead soldiers. There's weird and wacky things happening, like statues that are falling in midair, just kind of being stuck in time, and you have to like reverse time the platform across them. And there's goofy things like. Um, giant wild boars to tackle and, and lions with scorpion tails and all this fun stuff, all this mythology kind of stuff going on. And the story doesn't really get going. Like, it, it's it's going from the beginning. Like, it's interesting from the beginning, but it doesn't really get going until um, a certain sequence about an hour or so in where um, I guess an hour or so is kind of, like, loose because you can explore a lot of the map right from the get-go, but... If you're playing just for story, it's probably about an hour or so into the game, um, and you, uh, yeah, you pretty much get betrayed by a member of the Immortals, or maybe not even betrayed. Maybe they're just kind of um, warped by the area that you're in. Who knows? Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's so far it's been it's been very good. Maybe the story's a bit too um, like predictable for the first part, but we'll see where it goes. Uh, but yeah, the combat is really flashy once you start building upon your arsenal that's when things start to get really interesting um one of the first times that i started to feel like i was having fun with the combat was you get this bow you can shoot arrows and it stuns enemies for like a second you can also hold down the shot button to make like a spinning disc that hits multiple times as you are as you shoot it which is really cool um and that kind of really started to open the doors for the combat and Eventually, uh, one of the one of the people in in your group starts training you or refreshing you you on your your different moves and stuff like that, and they started going over different combos you can do and stuff. And I was just that's when it really started to like hit me like okay, this is actually pretty pretty in depth. You know, not only do you have like a basic three strike combo, you got your parrying in there, you got your you know backwards jump, you got your forward slide, you can run into enemies and kick them, you can kick them up if you want to, you can pull them up with you, kind of like Kratos, you know, hold that hold down square to have you go up with them and do a combo in the air, then you can hit them on the way down, then you can keep comboing them. It's very interesting and it's very it's very flowing so far. And I there there is that there is this real distinct visual flair at times where you, an enemy will do like a, a yellow attack, which is like a wild attack, which allows you to parry them, but also allows you to do an ex- execution move at the same time. And the the visual flair is just so good. Like it's hard to explain, but it's like it's like multiple layers on top of each other, but they're like they're like an inch to the to the left <laughs> or whatever um a better example is when you're you're trying to reach out for this feather that you see and like the wind is like pushing you back and you're, you're struggling to get there and the main character is like it's like reality is ripping from him so there's multiple there you know there's him there's sargon there and then like a triple or like a rainbow behind him of just different colors that are shadows of him um you know also reaching out which is pretty it's pretty cool it's it's a really cool visual and they do that a lot with the executions um those are the most flare inspired moments of the game <laughs> um and the yeah those moments are really cool and uh I, I i enjoyed the the executions are one of my favorite parts of the game um simply because of that visual flare that flashes onto the screen um it, it really is cool to see 
On top of that, um, the boss fights have been really good so far. The weird thing is not every boss fight has, like, a trophy attached to it or something like that. Um, I've, I've, so far, I think I've only gotten, like, two trophies for for defeating bosses. I think you get a trophy for, like, the third boss, like, the third main boss, and then there's another one for, like, the fifth or sixth boss. It's it's kind of it's kind of weird because a lot of these... A lot of these Metroidvania-type games, they'll just kind of ping you with a trophy for every boss you beat. So it's interesting not to be getting, one, story-based trophies, and two, not getting a trophy for, like, every major boss being defeated. So um, progress in terms of trophies, if you're a trophy hunter, might seem a bit staggered at times just because it, it, they don't just throw you a bunch of trophies for doing the what you need to do in the game, right? <laughs> um but yeah, the, the 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 best boss so far has been that one where it's like a lion with a scorpion tail. I thought that was a pretty good one, even though they've all been good so far. Like I'm not I'm not shaming any of the other ones, but yeah, that lion with the scorpion tail was was really good. And then also the fight with uh, the betrayer, um, which you're supposed to lose, but I got pretty close to beating him before I died. Um, yeah, it, it, that was a pretty good fight, kind of showing you what's to come. You know, when when eventually you get to that point again. And, um, yeah, uh, the, the map layout is also really good. It's a very strong map layout. Each area is pretty distinct in what they have to offer. Um, there's, there's plenty of characters to find and talk to as well. Lots of side quests to discover. Lots of collectibles to get. Uh, lots of enemies to fight. So, that, you know, lots of traps to avoid, too, which are fun platforming segments, especially after you start getting things like the bow and arrow, like the dash move, the there's like a clone ability as well that like puts a puts a like a hologram of yourself in an area and you can like teleport to it which has also been really interesting so far um it's one of those things it's like everything's kind of starting to build on top of each other and i really do hope that they keep going forward with it um because uh, that'll be i mean you know that's one of my favorite things about other metroidvanias is when they start combining all these different things to make these really interesting platforming and and challenge sex sequences. Um, if you haven't played it yet, Fist, Forged, and Shadow Torch did a really good job of that. Um, that that was one of my favorite games that the year that it came out. And um, Prince of Persia is it's looking pretty good so far as well. It's feeling good. Um, I am definitely excited to get back to it and 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 start messing around with it some more. Uh, but yeah, the map is the map is fairly big and. There's a lot that you kind of got to go back around and 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 do it and and like do, or or find new ways to get through areas. Uh, the nice thing is that they've they've allowed you to place markers with screenshots attached to them, so you can kind of remind yourself what you need to do there, which is kind of cool. Uh, there's a limited number of them, but um, obviously as you go through the game, you can find upgrades to get more. Same thing with like health. You know, you can upgrade your health. You can upgrade your weapon damage. Um, you can get new moves for your character, new special moves for your character. Um, obviously, you find these little uh, these little um, amulets, medallions, something uh, that give you special bonuses. Like one of them gives you more health initially. One of them gives you more damage when your health is full. One of them lets you get health back when you parry enemies. Um, so there's a lot of different things that really help out there, and. Um, there's also like a health file to that you can that you can upgrade as well. Gives you, know, you have one use at the beginning, but you can upgrade it obviously. 
So it's got a little bit of like maybe a little bit of souls like in there, a little bit. It's it's really negligible amount of souls like though, because the main game is like, oh, you died. Well, you just get sent back to the last checkpoint tree, which can sometimes be a little bit far away. But you don't lose a lot when you die. Like you lose some of your currency, but it's not like that big of an amount. And you'll just get the get that back as you progress through the level again, or the area, I should say, not level. Um. So yeah, I mean, right now I'm just kind of I'm, I'm I'm rummaging around in the tunnels because of the story took me there. Um, really, so far I I haven't been trying to stray off the beaten path too much per se. I mean, yes, I have been going around and 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 trying to find as many little secrets as I can. But as of right now, because there's a lot of constraints on you at the beginning, because it's like oh I don't have a double jump or whatever I need here, or oh I don't have the thing I need here. Um, I would like to more so explore the map when I have most, if not all, the things that are at my disposal for platforming so I don't run into an area that's like, oh, you can't go here yet. But I have, like I said, I have been trying to find things, so it's not like I'm not exploring the map. If you look at my map, I would say from what I've unlocked, it's probably about 70% explored so far, just, just from like having the bow and arrow and the dash move. So that's actually pretty good, all things considered. But there are still sections that you get to, and you're stuck. You can't go any farther. you got to turn around. Um, and there is a fast travel system in here. You have to unlock it, of course, by uh, re rebuilding these like fast travel spots. Um, and they're not always in the best location, in my opinion. Um, but so far, it's been nice to be able to at least kind of zoom around each area that you need to if if, if you so desire um, and really I mean the, the story doesn't even lead you to them you kind of just gotta stumble your way upon them um, same thing with like the checkpoint trees they're kind of littered around randomly almost it feels like uh, where it's like okay um, I got through this section and it was a pretty quick section but I already have another tree that's kind of weird and then some some sections go on for quite a while until you get to another tree it's a little bit mishmashy here and there the other kind of complaint that I have so far is that some of the transitions between the different areas that you go in and out of, like you know, most Metroidvanias, like Fist, Fours, and Shadow Torch, or something like that, maybe even Metroid, um, they will have like a oh, cut the black and then you know reappear in the next you know in, in the next room every so often. Um, but a lot of the areas are nice and flowing. They 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 flow together and and the camera moves and it, it just shows you the next area. Um, and, and, and in Prince of Persia, it seems to be more often than not that you cut to a black screen and then you, you know, it fades to the next area, which is just a bit jarring, especially because a lot of these areas seem like they should link together pretty nicely. Um, and it's a little bit disorienting when you're, like, doing a platforming thing, like jumping up or down to to have the the game go to black and then come back. So just a minor nuisance, in my opinion. Other than that, the game has been really good. Um I, I mean, they, they, apparently there's, like, an AI voice in the game. Honestly, maybe I'm just too stupid, but I, I haven't heard it yet, and maybe I just haven't met the character yet. I don't know. Um, maybe they've already fixed it. It's hard to say, because <laughs> a lot of times they'll use, people, uh, developers will use AI voices to kind of just be placeholders. That's what happened in Lies of P. Uh, one of the alpha builds had, like, an AI voice, and eventually they they put in the voice actor for the character because they didn't have the lines recorded yet by the time the alpha was out. Um, so it's possible that they've already fixed it or maybe I'm just too stupid to notice the AI voice and they hit it pretty well. I don't know. Or maybe or maybe, they, maybe I haven't met the character yet. It's hard to say. I guess I'll update y'all if I run into it. But yeah, uh, so far it's been really good. 
definitely worth your time if you like Metroidvanias. Um, I think the combat is really fun, and I'm definitely looking forward to playing more. And uh, hopefully by the time this time next week, I'll be doing a final review for it, the first of the year. We'll see, though. We'll see. I'm trying not to rush things, but, you know, you know how it goes. Sometimes I just kind of get lost, and I don't want to play a game or something. <laughs> uh, next up, Star Wars The Phantom Menace. This came to the PlayStation uh, Plus service, the premium service, uh, for no extra cost, but I bought it for 10 buckaroonies and cheese. Uh, because I was interested in this, it's it's like, it's it's a game that I thought that I had, but I didn't. <laughs> um, I have Jedi Power Battles on the PS1, not the Phantom Menace. And for what it's worth, I think the Phantom Menace does some interesting things uh, for a PS1 era game. It has a it has Moss Espa, the area where uh, you pod Anakin pod races. It has a pretty detailed and open area for you to explore. And there's plenty of different little objectives that you can do along the way. Which is nice. There's other areas, like in, in Naboo, where you, you find like a side mission. The guy's like, give me a drink of water. You gotta find a drink of wa you know, water and come back to him. And he gives you like a health item or something. Or a weapon. You know, very interesting stuff. Stuff that you didn't really see on the PS1, I guess, back in the day. Especially for like a, a movie tie-in game. But unfortunately, this game suffers from old game syndrome, which means that it's aged like milk in a lot of different ways. Uh, the controls do not feel good. The game is abundantly difficult for no reason at times. Um, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Qui-Gon Jinn, they use guns in this game if you want them to. You can switch to a missile, a missile launcher if you find it. <laughs> you could throw grenades, Gungan grenades. Kind of weird, uh, not going to lie, kind of weird. Um, obviously, you're going to be using the lightsaber for your, most of your playthrough because it is OP in this game, but uh, yeah, it's just one of those things that's kind of weird. Like, oh, I can switch to a gun as Obi-Wan Kenobi. It makes sense when you're playing as, like, um, the Queen or Pancha, Captain Pan Panaka. I'm sorry, Captain Panaka. Pancha's from Emperor's New Groove. Um, yeah, like, it makes sense when you're playing as those characters, but when you're playing as Obi-Wan or Qui-Gon, it, it's kind of awkward to pull out a gun and start shooting your gun at people or throw a grenade at, at uh, battle droids. You know how it goes. Also, they really did take some liberties with the story, I will say. Uh, not only can you go to the Gungan city underwater, uh, but you can also just slaughter everyone in the area. Any NPC you run into, you can just slaughter them, kill them. Even the kids, which really shows... In Moss Espa, because there's there's like these little slave kids who come up to you and they start pestering you. You can whip out a lightsaber and chop them down if you want to, which is brutal. Um, and this game, I believe, has like an E rating or something like that, or a P, uh, not a PG, like an E or a E10 rating. Um, nowadays, I mean, that's like a huge no-no. I think um, in 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 any, in, I mean, even 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 back when like Skyrim and stuff came out, like you couldn't. You couldn't slash down the children in those games. Uh, if you could do that, it would be like an A-rated game, you know, an adult-only rated game, um, which is one of the reasons why in GTA, like, 5 and 4 and 3, you don't see kids at all. You know, it's, 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 it's that kind of thing where it's like, if there's, like, a kid in danger in, in games and they can be killed, like, through the player controlling the game... Uh, usually it bumps the rating up to an A rating automatically. 
And Phantom Menace, you can kill Gungan kids, you can kill the little slave kids, you can kill any NPC that you come across. It's kind of crazy in that aspect. But that's also a reason why I think that this game doesn't work as well as you would expect. Because you can't softlock yourself if you kill the wrong guy or the wrong character. Um, and there's also a lot of weird level design in here. It's just it's just one of those games that's just like it's a time capsule for the era. It's not amazing. It's not great. It's got some interesting things going on here and there, but for the most part, it's a it's an avoid for me. It's 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 a, like a one point five out of five, which I know is kind of a meme, but it's true. I also played and quote unquote finished Marvel Snap, uh, which is like a card game. Uh, you probably know it. And I got to, like, level 100, which is pretty much max level. And after that, you kind of get, like, chump change for your upgrades and stuff like that. I was just kind of looking for a card battling game to occupy my mind for a little while. And the Yu-Gi-Oh! games just weren't doing it. You know, the the the, the, the Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Links and stuff like that. I just wasn't really feeling it. And then I remembered, oh yeah, Marvel Snap. I have that in my library on Steam. They released it on Steam. So I just kind of started playing it. And I, I, did get, I did get pretty into it. Building your deck was pretty cool. How they utilize your the cards and stuff are pretty cool. But it just didn't grab me 100%. Yes, you know, the you know there's an energy system. You can only put down cards of certain energy. When you have that energy, they have special little effects on them. Yeah, you know, there's there's three different lanes that you put your cards in. You try and have the most defense in those lanes to win in the end of the day. And even though all that was really fun, um, once you found an optimal build, that's all you do, and you either win or you lose, and there's no in between <laughs> because the game is a bit random at times too. And uh, when I got to level 100, I had beaten so many people. I had leveled up so many times. I think I was like level like 20 in the in the um, like the overall ranked battling mode. And I was like, you know what? I'm just kind of done. Like it's it's not it's not doing anything new or special as I level up. I'm just getting some new cards and some more currency. And even though it is one of those rare games that that that's a free game that doesn't like um try and get you to buy their currency every five minutes, okay? Throughout my entire time playing, I didn't have to buy a single lick of gold currency to level up my cards. I could, ju I was just playing and doing challenges and getting the currency. I could tell, though, by the end of my time playing that I would, if I wanted to keep up and, and, and get better cards through the system that they have in place, I would have to eventually buy some currency because they they do start skimping on you in the within the currency realm pretty quickly. Once you get past the bulk of the season pass, which was free, which was nice, and and do the daily challenges, um, yeah, you, you you really start to see a drop in the gold bars that you get. You get plenty of regular currency, but the gold bars is what they want want you to pay for. And by the time level 100 came around, I could t I could see the writing on the wall, and I said, you know what, it's not going to be worth it to me for me to play through any more of this game. Um, yeah, I technically did beat it. You know, I, I I mean, level 100 was a was a bit of a grind, and I know that there's like 250 something levels you can obtain before there's a level cap. But I don't know about you, but I felt like I had I had played through the game to my satisfaction like to my to my thing and i even asked uh, the people on the discord that i'm doing the backlog golf thing for which i talked about last week and they said yeah well, you know that that's fine so you know 
There you go. Also, Cats Hidden in Paris. This is my first hidden object game of the year, and it's probably going to be one of my last. Uh, if you don't recall, there's like one hidden object game that is really worth playing, and that's an arcade full of cats. Cats Hidden in Paris is, is decent. It's fine. It's good for a hidden object game. But I'm not going to, like, it's free. So if you want to play it, play it. You know, it's free. Um, it was fine. <laughs> what can I say? Better than a lot of the other hidden object games that I played recently, but uh, not better than some of the more um, inventive ones, you know. So, you know, Cats Hidden, cats hidden in Paris. Uh, thumbs up, I guess, but, you know, whatever. I also was playing Returnal. This past week, and I decided to stop playing it. I know I'm going to disappoint some people when I say, but I just was not vibing with the combat. And even though the story was interesting that they were building, I just I just wasn't into it. Um, it's not that I was like bad at the game. I was I was getting pretty competent at it. The more I was playing, of course, but uh, yeah, I just there was something about the combat that I wasn't really gelling with. I don't know if it was the the dodge system or just the gun in the gun combat in general. Um, but I just wasn't really vibing with that. And I decided like, you know, instead of trying to drag, you know, drag my feet through this, um, I'm just going to go ahead and say, yeah, I tried it again. Still not my thing. I'm going to just put it on my shelf and maybe down the road I'll, uh, try it out again. But, um, I gave it the old college try. I mean, I got past the first boss and I was fighting the second boss and, I didn't get past the second boss, but at that point, I was just kind of like, not bored, but I was just kind of like, not feeling it, you know? And, and yeah, I mean, there's a lot of cool things that this game does. Obviously, I mean, this game's been out for a while, so it's not anything new to anyone out there, but there's a lot of cool visuals, and, and the graphics are really good, and and the, the support with the actual DualSense controller is really well done, too, like... Next to Astro's Playroom, Returnal is like the the second best dual fun, you know um, um, game built around the Dual Sense controller. Like there's so much going on with that, it really immerses you into the game at times. Um, but I do need more than just pretty graphics and interesting gameplay mechanics like the Dual Sense controller to to enjoy the game enough to keep playing it. And I wasn't enjoying it enough for a um, for a uh, b- 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 roguelite, it just was it was missing some things that I enjoy in my roguelites, um, and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll leave it at that for now. I, I don't I don't want to shit on it too hard because I didn't really play enough to like really get you know like I played like five or six hours, you know. Don't get me wrong, but I don't I, I yeah I just I don't feel comfortable stating anything else because. Maybe later in the game it gets better in that aspect or in that area, but I don't I don't wanna like I don't wanna force it. And then for streaming games, uh we finished we played and finished Star Fox sixty four, which has officially cemented itself as one of my favorite games. Um I forgot how like good Star Fox sixty four is. Like I rem- I knew how good it was because I played it back in the day, don't you know? Um, but I don't remember it being like this good. Like it was just, it was so much fun. It was, it was so in depth. The different like pathways you can take and the different um, things you need to overcome in order to 
keep on the hard path. It was really good. I, I really enjoyed my time with it. And even though there's still a couple of planets that I didn't visit because I wasn't bad enough to get to them. Ooh, snap. <laughs> um, it was still a really good time. And I did get the two different endings that you kind of need. The regular ending and the, the, the better ending where Andros doesn't come back as a JPEG and, and jump scare you at the end of the game. So, yeah, it was very interesting. Very cool. Very, I mean, I don't know, is revolutionary the right word? I don't know if revolutionary is exactly the right word, per se. But, uh, yeah, it's just one of those things that, like, you, you did it. You did a great job. You, I'm, I, 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 I now remember why Star Fox is such a big series in people's hearts. It's probably, it's, it's because of Star Fox 64, really. And even though they've tried to revitalize Star Fox with... I mean, Adventures was pretty cool on its own because it was like a Star Fox Zelda game. Of course, it was kind of like a Star Fox skin on a Zelda game, but you know what I'm saying. It was pretty cool in that aspect. Um, Star Fox Assault we played uh, last year, I think, and that's like fine. It's not amazing. The ground, the on the on foot sections really dragged the game down, but the space combat was still really good. But there wasn't enough of it, and there wasn't like any choice for your pathway in the story either. So that's another thing that's like okay. Come on now. And then Star Fox Zero came out for the Wii U, and the control scheme is really what barred a lot of people from enjoying that game. I really disliked the um, the uh, that new vehicle they made. There was like a hovercraft, and there was a uh, like a bipedal ATST type thing that just didn't really control that well. I really didn't like it at all. Um, but they did bring back Cat and stuff like that, so you know there's there's some there's some saving grace there. And I have not played the original Star Fox game, um, which is more of like a tech demo for the the NES, uh, essentially a proof of concept. Like, hey, this is this is what our console can do. Look at these amazing visuals. Look at this 3D rendering, you know. Um, and Star Fox 2, which is on the uh, expansion pass service for the SNES, I think. Um, I have not played that because that was a, a Japanese exclusive for quite some time. So... We'll see how I f feel about those once I get around to them. But as of right now, Star Fox 64, it's great. It's amazing. It's probably one of those games that's going to be on the uh, f my favorite games list. Um, I, right now, I'm giving it, giving it an S or a 5 out of 5, and we'll see where I put it on the tier list. All right, let's move on to what's in the news. All right, so Ubisoft's Executive Felipe Trembley. Trembley. <sighs> he was he, he he had an interview on GameIndustry.biz talking about how players should start to feel more comfortable not owning their games. Um, he's talking about subscription services and digital purchases. Um, he likens video games to CDs and DVD collections being replaced by Spotify and Netflix. Um, in a quote, he said, One of the things we saw in is that gamers are used to, a little bit like DVD, having and owning their games, he explained. That's the consumer shift that needs to happen. They get comfortable not owning their CD collection or DVD collection. That's a transformation that's been a bit slower to happen in games. He went on to say that uh, you don't lose your progress or engagement with the game despite the lack of a game ownership. It's about feeling comfortable with not owning your games. He still has two boxes of DVDs, and he understands that game the gamer's perspective with that. 
But as people embrace the model, he says, they will see that games, these games will exist, the service will continue, and you'll be able to access them when you feel like, which is reassuring. There, There is a part of me that understands where he's coming from. I mean, I think back and I go, and I remember when I sold my CD collection because I had Spotify Premium, and I got like 400 bucks for my CD collection because I had so many CDs. Um, I still have a pretty... F- sizable dvd collection i guess but it's not like it's not like crazy big um i've I've also never really sold any dvds either um to like those uh pre-owned stores um i've I've sold a couple here and there but nothing like too crazy i still have my favorite movies on on dvd and blu-ray and stuff like that so you know technically 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 it's more understandable that people who play video games want a physical version want to actually hold that in their hands it's it's more reasonable that they want physical media because video games are much more than just music and movie uh they are interactable they have their own stories and you can really get immersed in those stories and the one thing that i think is missing from this perspective from this executive director of Ubisoft is that recently it's becoming much more common for studios like Disney or WB to just take down movies from their services and you have no way of ever watching that movie or that show again. Think about Batgirl, which was coming from, which is going to come to Max, HBO Max. And that was just completely canned. It was fully done and ready to be shipped, but they just threw it away because it saved some taxes or whatever, right? Saved some money. And we also recently are seeing games being shut down completely. Digital-only games that will now be lost forever. 3DS and Wii U libraries that that's the only place you can get those kind of games getting shut down and not being able to be played anymore unless you already bought the game. So in a way... What he's saying is almost exactly the opposite of what you should do. Because if you buy a game like Gran Turismo Sport, which just recently got shut down, you can still download that game and play that game if you have it digitally and physically. There will be a time, most likely in the future, where Gran Turismo Sport gets taken off of the Sony servers and you can never download it and play it again. But as of right now, that's doesn't seem feasible, right? But even then, having that physical copy of the game, one, that physical copy is going to go up in price as the game gets less and less easy to find. And two, you can play the game anytime you want now with we don't you don't you don't need to download the game essentially. You can just put in the CD, it installs the game, boom, you're good to go. So even though I do see where this person is coming from, speaking of subscription services and stuff like that, I don't agree with it because there's still a place for physical media in all outlets, not just video games, but also movies and music, where it's like, okay, at any point, the Daredevil season from uh, Hulu or whatever it was can be taken down, and we can never see that again. But I have a physical DVD of of the first season, so I can watch that anytime I want. Without the hassle of having an internet connection and, you know, having it be on the service in general. 
it's, you know, it's a no-brainer, honestly, that physical media is going to stick around. Maybe it doesn't sell as well as it used to because people are getting more used to just, you know, opening up Amazon Prime and watching a show or watching a movie on Netflix or whatever. But the but the bottom line is the more that they start to take away these things from these services that people enjoy and people want to watch, the more people are going to be begging for physical media to have a resurgence. And until that time comes, we're going to get statements like this that's like, oh, well, video games are going to go the same way, aren't they? Eh, I don't know. Me personally, sure, I have gotten pretty used to playing games on Xbox Game Pass, don't get me wrong, but I know that it's a limited time offer type thing. If I want to play Starfield in a couple years, and for whatever reason, Microsoft decides to take it off the service, I would have to buy it myself and actually buy either a physical copy or a digital copy on Steam or whatever, right? Or Xbox game, uh, Xbox, whatever. I understand that. I think most people who play games on Xbox Game Pass or PlayStation Plus Essentials, etc., know that it is it is not a for sure thing that the games are going to be around forever, which is why it's nice to have a physical version of the game available. And even though we've seen you know games like Starfield that got a physical release start to become start to be taken down from shelves for whatever reason. I don't think that physical media is going to completely exit the realm of video games, especially for people who are collectors. I mean, how many people have collections of video games? Raise your hand. It's going to be everyone listening to this. Everyone has, no matter how small it is, you have a collection of physical video games. Me, myself, I have plenty. I could probably fill a whole, a whole fucking wall full of games. But right now, they're just kind of scattered around in different locations where I play the games, right? But if I put my whole collection together, I could probably line up a, a, a whole wall of, uh, or maybe maybe like a half. I'm, you know, now that I'm looking at my walls, probably about half a wall of video games from top to bottom, right? And there's a lot of people out there who have way more than that, <laughs> who have like I have the whole Xbox library. I have the whole Xbox 360 library. I have the whole Nintendo Switch library. I have the whole, you know, N64 library. I have the whole blah, blah, blah. You know, people love physical media. And for collectors, it's always going to be a thing that they want. Think of think of companies like Limited Run Games and, and stuff like that that are constantly putting out new physical media. People buy and eat those up. They, they sell out almost every single time. There's, it's rare that there is still a physical game remaining. So even though digital is nice, it offers an easy way to just kind of boot up a game and play it. It offers an easy way to get older games on new systems like the Phantom Menace on PS1 or any of the games on the Nintendo service, right? Um, but I don't see physical media going away 100% in any form. Maybe, maybe music, maybe, but... There's always going to be someone out there, multiple people out there, who have physical media, who have collections, and who are going to be willing to buy a physical version of a movie, a game, or maybe even an album. I mean, I, I mean, I've I've bought a couple fucking cassette tapes for albums that I like. The Tiny Moving Parts album from a couple years ago. I have a cassette tape version of it. Why? I don't know. I thought it was cool. <laughs> Which is kind of what I feel like a lot of people do with with physical stuff like that. Let me know, though, in the comments below or on the Discord what you think of that. 
All right, so it recently came out that Rockstar's parent company, 2K, was uh, suing or sent a cease and desist to Remedy for their new logo. Uh, the the <laughs> The news reporting was a bit late, though, because this happened last year, sometime last year, in, like, early last year when Remedy originally was changing their logo to uh, have, like, the... It, you know, it's kind of like an R that's like split into a couple different pieces, right? And we all know the Rockstar logo is the R with the star on it. Pretty, you know, pretty recognizable. Uh, Remedy wanted to change their um, change their logo, and apparently, 2K said, "Hey, that looks too much like our logo." But <laughs> it's already apparently it's already been taken care of. It, it was it was. The dispute was solved behind closed doors amicably, uh, which probably means that the people from 2K had a conversation with Remedy, and they were like, oh, yeah, you're right. This looks nothing like our logo. We're sorry. The legal filing was simply an initial formality, and Remedy and Take-Two worked together to uh, amicably solve the dispute sometime last year. Um a representative from Remedy said this was a discussion between Remedy and Take Two that was resolved entirely and amicably last year. The legal filing was simply an initial formality, and Remedy and Take Two continue to work together in partnership. So there you go. So what what started out is something that was completely idiotic, stupid, bozo, <laughs> bozo move, uh, turned out to be all that just last year. <laughs> so there you go. All right, some of the co-founders from Rocksteady have formed a new studio called 100 Star Games. Um, they haven't exactly done anything yet in the studio, but I'm sure there's something coming along. Uh, so the co-founders of Rocksteady, Stefan Hill and Jamie Walker, who last year, and um, well, I guess 2022, October 2022, left Rocksteady during the development of Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. Uh, they were picked up. And, well, I guess they, they formed a new studio called 100 Star Games based in London. They've already got about 25 people working with them, and they aim to expand to about 100 industry veterans and emerging talent. This comes from a news article from Polygon. Um, Hill and Walker listed as directors of 100 Star Games on a corporate data website. They also uh, Polygon also reviewed some LinkedIn profiles showing that people... Uh, both developers and directors from Rocksteady already left similar based studios in Arkham to join. I'm sorry, similar state based studios in London who worked on similar games like Arkham to join the new outfit. Uh, the company was incorporated all the way back in 2023 in February of 2023. And they are currently hiring. So call them up if you need a job. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, it's interesting to see that they've started a new studio. Maybe they're going to make something like Arkham Asylum or Arkham Knight. <laughs> I'm guessing they're going to do something probably completely different or maybe in the same vein, but not an IP based on a popular character. But we shall see. Rock Band 4 is getting its final DLC pack uh, sometime this month in January, of uh, January 25th of this month. Uh, which is actually this coming week. 
In a press release, Harmonix shared the happy news, and they reflected on the journey of the game from start to finish and all the different DLC that they uh, put out there. Um, despite the game's age, the online play for the Rivals mode will continue as normal for the foreseeable future. Um, speaking to players who already have amassed a sizable collection of DLC songs, uh, Harmonix said, Many of you reading this own a good chunk of content, and we remain committed to protecting that investment. To be clear, you can play the songs you own within Rockman 4 for as long as you like. Now, does that mean that songs will be available on the store 100% for the rest of the lifespan of Rockman 4? No, because contracts run out and stuff like that. But they're saying that if you already own a song, you still will be able to download it for as long as you want to. That's probably worked in with the contract for when the songs are licensed. Um, so the developers have obviously been working on Fortnite for the past few years. They did the uh, new Fortnite festival mode, which is akin to rock band in, in some ways, in a lot of ways. Uh, we also saw there's a new festival guitar coming in, in sometime this month or maybe next month. So does this mean we're going to be getting a new game in the Rock Band series? Maybe. Maybe. But this might just be a way for them to close the door on Rock Band and just fully invest their time in Fortnite, which would be unfortunate because... I don't think anyone really wants that. Like, sure, a lot of people are enjoying Fortnite Festival, but most I, I would say most people who like rhythm games would like to see Rock Band come back again with a, with a new iteration for the new consoles. Uh, same thing with Guitar Hero, with uh, Microsoft saying they want to bring Guitar Hero back. Yeah, we're all there for it. You just got to do it. You know? <laughs> As long as it's not overpriced, let's go, you know? Um... So the final DLC pack seems to be um, our love will be will still be there by the Trogs and goodbye Yellow Brick Road for, uh, by uh, Elton John. Um, and I know I know that a lot of the DLC that came out this last year, this past the past year was a lot of like, okay, we're bringing back songs from Rock Band Two and Rock Band One and Rock Band Three that were not able to be transferred over, or maybe they their license ran out so they can't be transferred over anymore from the other games that you already owned. Which is not like it's not great if you already have played all those other games in the past, but it is good for people who are getting these these songs for the first time or whatever want to replay the songs. Um, there has been a lot mixed in with those old songs coming back. Usually, usually the they've been releasing like two songs every like other week or something like that. And essentially, it's like one song that was from an old game and another song that's like a new popular song or something that people have been asking for, right? So it's not entirely been old songs coming back for the most part, but it has been a good fair amount of old songs coming back, which I kind of figured that they were starting to kind of diminish, you know, want to stop doing the DLC when they did start bringing back those old songs because essentially what they're, what they're doing is they're like, we're making sure that these songs are available for the people who want them, even if you know whatever, they're just making sure the songs are available for these for the older games in different ways. So it's sad to see it go. I haven't actually played Rock Band Four in quite some time, um, so it's mostly because the the instruments that came with Rock Band Four and the Rivals mode are kind of shit. They don't last long at all, especially when you're a player like me who is actually pretty competent at the game and and knows how to strum fast on a guitar. The strum bar was constantly breaking on me, and it was con like the the connection between the PS4 and the guitar controllers just were not that good. 
So if they do come out with a new game, they better be upping the quality of those guitars, which is why I'm very excited about this new uh, PDP guitar. It looks pretty good. I mean, it looks like it's pretty good quality. So maybe they should just put out a new game, you know? Just be like, hey, here's some DLC songs on a disc. You can play these now. That would be great. But unfortunately, I don't think that's what we're do- what they're going to do. All right, The Last of Us. The show... They've been hiring a lot of people to portray the actors and actresses of the game, which uh, I've, I've liked a couple of the hirings, so, you know, no hate there. Uh, but what uh, what they did do is they uh, did squash the uh, Bill and Frank spinoff show that was that was pitched by, uh, I'm sorry, by Nick Offerman, who uh, wanted to do like a whole, you know, series, or maybe a short series, a mini-series based on, you know, Bill and Frank. Uh, but uh, showrunner Craig Mazin said there will not be any more Bill and Frank. And the reason behind that is because they are very proud of the episode that they did with Bill and Frank. They are happy with the, what they achieved, but they feel like they told their whole story in that one episode, and there's really no uh, more ground for them to cover. And I kind of see where they're coming from, I guess, because that episode was really good. It won an Emmy, I think. Obviously, Nick Offerman won an Emmy for his role. Um... But, uh, yeah, you know, it would be nice to see more of their relationship through the years and more of what they what they did and other things that they maybe maybe have maybe expand more with Joel and, and stuff in there, you know, have, have their relationship be more than just the couple interactions that they had on the show itself. You know, it's one of those things that's like there is there is a want for these characters to come back, but it seems like the show producers are not willing at the moment at least to do a whole show with with just bill and frank um so as of right now nothing happening there and they actually even said like oh offerman was just joking i don't know i don't know if he was joking <laughs> i don't know he he probably he probably liked playing the character I, I you know after all the praise that the episode received he probably thought it would be a good idea to build off of that success but uh apparently these showrunners do not, so whatever. T Pain, aka Farim Rashad Nahim. Uh, he's a musician, a very good mu- musician. I mean, I, don't, I know that he's known for like the auto tune and the whatever in, in his like p- pop music, but more recently than not, it's it's become known that T Pain is quite the singer. He can actually really sing. He's got like this really like cool band. They recently did like a live performance where they did like uh, a bunch of different hits from "Don't Stop Believing," I think, to, uh, all the way to like "War Pigs" and all the. I think mean, I, I watched the whole thing through. It was amazing. It actually was amazing. So don't don't discredit T Pain just because of his past uh, of, of being auto tuned. Uh, but essentially, T Pain is actually getting a role in the upcoming Grand Theft Auto Six. Uh, he confirmed it on his TikTok account and also on his streams as well. Um, because uh, people were asking why he wasn't on this GTA 5 role-playing server anymore called No Pixel, and essentially it was because uh, Rockstar wouldn't let him do that anymore because he's going to be in the game. Seems like he's going to be some sort of like music producer or songwriter in the game. He's actually making. It seems like he's making an album or maybe some songs for the game, uh, and uh, they didn't want that to rub off on this role-playing server. So. In the TikTok, he says, uh, what if somebody took your album and re-recorded it, they said, and more people were listening to that 
And I'm like, okay, I kind of get that, but I was having a good time. <laughs> um, also, in a, in, a, in a strange twist, Rockstar hired the modders responsible for the no-pixel GTA V server, which is all based around role-playing and stuff like that. And uh, this development made T-Pain laugh because he started working with them to help with the game and stuff like that. And the same people who said that he couldn't do anything with no pixel is still allowing the no pixel team to do their stuff with their role playing server. Um, so he's, he's, he's a little, he's a bit distraught about that because he, I guess he was, he's a big supporter of this no pixel server. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of weird that he can't do anything on the server because they're afraid he's going to write some good music or something. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, d- definitely check out T Pain. Um, he does. He actually does pretty fun streams, and then he also actually has a really good voice. And um, it's unfortunate that his career was built up from Auto Tune. <laughs> I mean, I know he was like one of the first like Auto Tune artists out there, and he's obviously made a genre out of it. But um, it's unfortunate that it did start that way because a lot of people kind of discredit him. They go, "Oh, T Pain, he's the Auto Tune guy. He can't sing." Well, he actually can sing. And and I don't know why he would use so much auto tune, in his in it, it, it made him successful. So you know, take that with what you will. There is an Until Dawn movie in the works right now at PlayStation Productions. The director of Shazam and Fury of the Gods, Shazam Fury of the Gods, David F. Sandberg will be directing. Um, also, Blair Butler from The Invitation wrote the script. And it's currently getting a once-over from Gary Dauberman, who wrote in Annabelle, It, and The Nun. There's been no other official details shared yet, uh, but they are planning to start production on the movie soon. Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, this is going to be interesting. Uh, the game came out in 2015. Obviously, it was a hit at the time, and it still is a hit. I do have my fair share of criticisms about the game, obviously. Um, but making Until Dawn into a movie kind of removes the whole like gameplay aspect. And at that point, Until Dawn <laughs> itself is sort of just a movie if you take out those you know, quick time events and the walking segments. Um, so essentially what they're doing is they're shaving the fat then taking you out of control and putting themselves in control. Now... I think it's. I think it, I th- this could be a hit. It really could. I think the the idea of Until Dawn itself, and the idea of, you know, the 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 one friend going crazy and 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 pretending to kill people, and then the Wendigos being real and actually killing people is a good idea. But the problem is, is that they were so focused on the butterfly effect in Until Dawn, and even in the Quarry, the newer game by the same studio. That when you remove that butterfly effect from the from from the game or even from the movie, it's probably not going to have the same. You know, the story's not going to have the same impact because now you don't you don't get to choose who lives and dies, or your actions don't decide who lives and dies. It just kind of happens for you. I'm sure that'll be a, I'm sure it'll be an interesting thing to watch. Um, but uh, yeah, like I said, that's not coming. In a, that, that's not even started production. I don't think so. It's probably going to be a little while before this movie comes out. But uh, yeah, I mean. I understand why they're doing it, you know, uh, you know, uh, so there you go, whatever. Um, but yeah, there you go. All right. Uh, one last thing for the news today. 
GameStop is not doing NFT anymore. It's not. It's it's closing its M- NFT market, which was like a was which they teamed up with uh, Loop Ring to make like a trading, selling, buying, creating NFT marketplace. It launched in July of 2022, and now it's officially being closed on February 2nd, 2024. Um, GameStop said they are continuing regulatory uncertain. I'm sorry. They said the continuing regulatory uncertainty of the crypto space is the reason that they are closing. Um, this is, of course, after the firing of CEO Matthew Furlong, who led the charge for the NFT um, uh, uh uh, what am I trying to think? What's the word I'm trying to say? He was in charge of the. Uh, he was he was the lead of the NFT cooperation or partnership with with Loopring. Um, geez, that took me a while to get to that. Uh, so yeah, so they're you know so GameStop's getting out of the NFT company, uh, the NFT space, um, which means that I don't know what that means actually. It really, I mean, it really doesn't mean anything to me because I've never bought and sold NFTs in my life. Um, there are still some companies like Square Enix and Pokemon Company who are still invested in NFTs, but as of right now, other companies are all getting out of the non-fungible token game, and uh, I don't think that NFTs will be making a resurgence anytime soon. Okay, let's move on to what's coming soon. Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth. Another one of those games coming out in January, February, in the first slate of games of the year. Also seem to be pretty hyped. Pretty People are pretty hyped for it. They are putting the New Game Plus behind a paywall, which is kind of crazy. Um, I know a lot of people love playing through the games on New Game Plus. Uh, it adds a lot more to the game, whatever. Uh, they just want to replay through the game with overpowered characters, I guess. I don't know. But the mode is going to be exclusive to the Master Vocation DLC bundle, which is included in the game's Digital Deluxe and Ultimate Editions. Uh, they are being this this DLC will be sold for an initial fifteen dollars um, on the side if you so desire to pick that up. Uh, past Like a Dragon titles and Yakuza titles have included New Game Plus by default, so it seems like Sega is nickel and diming people for the New Game Plus uh, for this game. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's kind of weird. It's kind of a crazy thing. The other DLC pack that's coming out for, as a pre-order bonus called the Heroes Booster Pack, people are concerned about the ethics of this because it allows you to level up faster in the game. Um, <laughs> which obviously uh, some Yakuza games, some Like a Dragon games can be a bit grindy for sure, but it's one of those things, that's, it's just kind of weird. <laughs> it's just kind of weird, and, uh, Day one DLC like this, especially, just doesn't seem to make sense to me. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just so weird. It's so weird. And and on the same, in the same course of things, there is some day one DLC for Persona Three Reload, which is the remaster of Persona Three. There is a bunch of day one DLC that you can get for roughly twenty five dollars. You can get the whole DLC pack. That includes Persona 5 Phantom Thieves outfits, Persona 5 Shunjin Academy outfits, Persona 4 Yas- Yasogami High outfits, Persona 5 Persona Sets 1 adds 9 Phantom Thieves personas, <clears throat> Persona 5 Persona Set 2 adds 9 Evolved Phantom Thieves personas, 
Persona 4 Persona set adds three main Personas, and Persona 5 Royal music set adds six new music tracks to the game. Um, and I believe this was DLC that was already available for Persona 3 when it came out, or when it when it went through its life cycle. So it is a bit scummy that they are putting the DLC once again behind a paywall after people already bought it and already enjoyed the DLC in the original form of the game. This should be just stuff cosmetically or whatever baked into the main experience or unlockable through the main experience. It is a bit shady or disgusting, I guess, that they're choosing to go the day one DLC route instead of just including it in this remake, remaster, whatever you want to call it. Maybe not as bad as the Yakuza, I'm sorry, the Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth thing, but eh, you you can decide if you want to on that. Shantae and the Pirate's Curse is officially going to be the final 3DS release for limited run games. Um, essentially, the 3DS has been shut down, and uh, this will be the final 3DS game coming from the company. Uh, Shantae and the Pirate's Curse... It has been put on different services now, uh, like GOG and stuff like that. But if you want the original experience, um, instead of trying to buy a second-hand or third-party, um, you know, go through a third-party like eBay or something like that to get a version of the game, you can get a limited-run version of the game, um, and the uh, game will be available in limited quantities on the 26th of January for about $35. There will also be a collector's edition available on the same day for $65, which includes a reversible poster, the original soundtrack, a replica Game Boy Color cartridge, along with a retro Game Boy uh, Color-inspired box. Uh, it also includes three art cards, the game itself, and a nice collector's box for you as well. Uh, so if you want to check that out, that it will be available soon. Um, and uh, it's one of those things that's like, the last 3DS game getting the physical version that's a that's a that's a landmark type thing especially in the in terms of just video game history for from a limited run games uh, we'll see uh, we we'll see what happens in the future but as of right now this will be the last the last 3DS game physically available for sale from limited run games and we'll see if other studios follow suit but uh, anyway That'll be available the buy on the 26th of January, so make sure you run and do that if you are interested. Foam Stars finally has a release date, and that is the 6th of February, 2024, right in the middle of the massive game slate. It'll cost $30 on its own, and it will be available with PlayStation Plus Essentials from day one, which is kind of nice, because I I didn't want to buy this game. <laughs> um... Yeah, essentially the new trailer just kind of is a crazy, wacky trailer. Lots of visual flair. Uh, if you don't know what Foam Stars is, it's kind of like Splatoon except with foam. <laughs> like puffs of foam. I don't know what's going on with me right now. Puffs of foam. You you work in teams of like five, go up against other teams, and you try and just make as much foam as you can. Uh, the one gameplay gimmick of the game is that you can like make towers out of foam and, and snipe from up top the towers and stuff like that. So there you go. Um, but yeah, February 6th is the day that this launches on, um, PS4 and PS5. It'll launch on, um, the essentials tier, which is kind of nice. All things considered, there are single player and co-op missions on offer as well as a season pass for new cosmetic items. Um, support from square Enix will last for one year, including the first season, which will start in March. 
Uh, so there you go. Um, so anyone who wants to play it with me, uh, I, I will probably be uh, trying it out a, at least a little bit, I guess. Um, it's just one of those things that just doesn't look that great. And then on top of it all, there's AI art for some album covers that are being used in the game, which just doesn't sit well with me. I understand maybe for an indie team or a smaller development team using some AI art to fill in the blanks. But for a major studio like Square Enix that definitely has the money to, they should be paying artists to create mock-ups or album artwork for them. Just another shady thing in the world of AI. But we already knew that Square Enix was going to be aggressively using AI this year. And this is the first game in the long line of games coming out this year from Square Enix that seems to be using some AI in the game. Um, but like I said, I mean, it, I mean, does it really matter in the long run that they used an AI to do our album artwork that's probably going to be viewed by less than 25% of the player base? Maybe. But the one thing that's really disturbing to me is the fact that they could have paid. They, they had the money. They could have paid an artist or two to mock up some album covers for them. They could have done that quite easily, and they didn't. They're just they're just trying to save money wherever they can, even if it is uh, to hurt the greater artist community. Stalker 2, Heart of Chernobyl, now has an official release date. It was just slated for 2024 for quite some time, and now they officially know that the game is going to come on September 5th, 2024, barring any other setbacks. This was originally planned to arrive like two years ago at this point <laughs> in like 2022, if I remember correctly. But, uh, you know, with COVID and and uh, different setbacks in development, uh, like the war in in Ukraine, um, it has set the, the game back a little bit. Now it's still coming day one, the Xbox Game Pass. Um, so you don't need to worry about that. In a press release, they said, while there is absolutely no way to make another delay sound less dim, we decided to be clear about our reasons to postpone the game for the sake of yet another wave of polishing. Uh, throughout the frankly challenging development process, time was of the team's main essence. Seeing the scope of the polishing and understanding the limits of the player's patience, GSC was absolutely dedicated to releasing the game in quarter one of 2024. That, however, doesn't change the fact that the beginning... That at the beginning of this year, certain technical imperfections still hold Stalker 2 below the expectations and standards for a final experience that fans are waiting for. This extended journey to the release will be supported with much more content from the game to be shared later this year. Which, I don't care if they have to delay the game. The game is looking really good, and as long as it comes out not in a state like Redfall... <laughs> um, I'm sure it'll be great. I'm sure it'll be great. So, yeah, th there's no reason for anyone to be hateful towards them for all these delays. The end product is probably going to be very good at the, at this point. Um, it's been delayed a couple times. so, And they've also gone through so much, too. Like, I just, I, I'm rooting for the developers of Stalker 2 to put out this game and for it to be a hit because they've just, they've been through a lot. They really have. And um, for this not to be a hit would be just a, just a real sad moment, but uh, I am excited for this. I will wait until September fifth to play it, and I will wait with a uh, with um with uh with a cheer in my heart. <laughs> All right, uh, Elder Scrolls Online is getting a new expansion called Gold Road, which is based off of a classic Oblivion location. Uh, so the DLC will be set in West Weld, which borders Cairo Dill the Gold Coast, and Valenwood. It sees the return of the capital city, Skingar Skingrad. 
It's available for pre-order right now for $40. It's going to be released on th- the 3rd of June, 2024. There is a trailer on PlayStation's YouTube channel right now if you want to check that out. Gold Road is going to introduce 30 hours of new main quest content and include plenty of side stories. It will continue the story set up from last year's Necrom expansion. In Gold Road, players must investigate Ithelia, a Daedalic prince never seen before in the Elder Scrolls series, and it's up to the players to discover and uncover the schemes of her most devoted followers. Adventurers will return to opportunistic wood elves and protect the people of Westweld from the chaos of the Forgotten Prince's return. There's going to be two new zones to explore, more enemies to face, and a new slew of gameplay systems to allow players to collect and customize a new suite of skills and armor. Um, Called Scribing, you can actually edit your primary, secondary, and territory effects to make for a more unique playstyle if you so want to. Um, So... There you go. Uh, There will be a smaller part of the DLC available in March, which adds a new dungeon to the game. Probably give you a little look into what to expect from the new DLC, I suppose. Um, Scorns of Ithelia will add two- and four-player dungeons to the MMO, uh, which will build up the story to the Gold Road expansion. So those will be available on the 11th of March, with the Gold Road coming in June, June 3rd. Helldivers 2 has officially gone gold. Pop the champagne, the developer said. Recruits, because we have more to celebrate. We are pleased to announce that Helldivers 2 has gone gold. Um, they have released a new trailer as well in celebration, which is, you know, pretty nice of them. Um, so, yeah, they, they, they released the launch trailer, and it's looking pretty good. Um, I'm guessing that previews or something for this game will come about in the next couple weeks. Um, I'm very interested to see what this game has to offer in totality because so far we haven't really seen too much, but what we have seen has really made me fascinated. It looks like uh, Starship Troopers without without Rico, <laughs> with without the strange trilogy. Um, it looks like the first Starship Troopers uh, movie in a lot of ways because it is just killing bugs or strange alien bugs and and doing whatever. So we will see exactly what it has to offer in the ne- in the coming weeks, I'm sure, because the game does not come out until like late February. So uh, I'm sure that, that we will there's plenty of time for them to uh, tell us exactly what the game is going to entail. Probably some people will re- you know put out some previews and stuff like that on websites. Uh, we'll start to get some trickle inst- information here soon, I'm sure. Just got to be a bit patient, I suppose. All right, Top Spin 2K25 is back after 13 years of no games in the in the tennis simulation series. Uh, it was just a short a teaser trailer for for the game, which combines some in-game and cutscenes, I guess. Um, but 2K describes Top Spin 25 as the next must-play sports game. Uh, no platforms have been announced, no release date, uh, just the coming soon at the top of the trailer. Um, it's been revealed that the game is coming from Hangar 13, best known for the Mafia series. So they're doing something a little bit different. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, Tennis Topspin, I'm sorry, Topspin 2K25 is coming soon. We don't know exactly when, um, so I guess we'll keep an ear uh, open for that. Tomb Raider 1, 2, and 3 Remastered, or as they're calling it now, Tomb Raider 1 through 3 Remastered. 
Uh, it's coming out pretty soon at this point. Uh, what what when is it coming out exactly? It's coming the 14th of February, Valentine's Day, uh, for about $26, $27 ish. Um, you can actually get a 10 cent discount if you have a if you're a PlayStation Plus member and you pre-order the game. Wow. Uh, but essentially, the <clears throat> the studio detailed what is going to be changed in this remaster. Or maybe some quality of life stuff that has been added. Uh, so uh, you can choose to either use original tank controls or a new system that that allows you to rotate the map with your right stick. Also, there will be health bars for boss fights now. In-game items like health kits and ammo will now be 3D instead of 2D. There will be more than 200 PlayStation trophies for you to unlock. There will also be a tr- uh, photo mode uh, so you can get the perfect shot of Lara Croft's bosom. Uh, our philosophy here was rather straightforward. We want games to look the way they did in your mind. Uh, this comes from Chris Bashar, who is the director of the remaster. Uh, we knew we were on the right track in the early playtests because some of the player, some of the playtesters didn't even know they were playing the game with a with modern art toggled on, which is kind of weird to say. Uh, here are some more things that they are adding to the game: baked in and real time lighting effects. Graphics toggle, so you can actually toggle between remastered or original looks of the game at any time. Kind of like the Halo uh, Master Chief Collection. New models, environments, and enemies. And also new outfits for Lara Croft. If you want to check out more, there is a full blog post on the PlayStation blog. Tomb Raider 1 through 3 Remastered, starring Lara Croft, will be available on the 14th of February, 2024, for $27, if you want to check that out. Um, the, this doesn't look like a bad remaster of these games. I have the games on Steam, the original games on Steam. I never got around to playing them, even though I kind of wanted to after playing The the Mummy on PS1. But uh, this will probably be the better way for me to play them, I guess. But, I mean, there is something to be said about the old-school PS1 games. There's a vibe to it, you know, which is why there's several games out there that are trying to emulate the... Uh, trying to emulate that style you know because it is a vibe it really is all right castlevania fans open your ears the transylvania adventure of simon quest is a new game coming from retroware studios it's a new eight i guess eight bit eight bit um game inspired by the castlevania franchise um, this is coming out in 2025, so you got a little bit of time to wait for it. Uh, but essentially, it, sh- it follows the story of Simon Quest, who arrives in Transylvania to find that his rival, Stan Helsing, has already killed Dracula. So the game is essentially a Metroidvania where you try and find all of the um, these like special pieces uh, to bring back Dracula so that Simon Quest can defeat him himself. <laughs> uh, so there will be mini-games, an assortment of weapons, uh, a built-in randomizer, and much more than... Uh, and much more... Uh, this boasts some modern gameplay sensibilities and conveniences, along with classic 2D Metroidvania uh, stuff in there as well. Um, it looks really good from what we've seen from the trailers. If you want to check out the trailers on RetroWare's YouTube channel. Um, lots of cool stuff in here. It looks, it looks very, um, kind of looks like the messenger in a, in a few ways uh, for graphically, I guess. Um, but it just, it's just a stylized eight bit kind of new game. Um, lots of cool things to be seen in there. If you want to check that trailer out, 
And like I said, um, that's coming in 2025. So you got you got a bit of time. All right, 11-Bit Studios has announced that it's partnering with Xbox Game Pass. Uh, the first the first game that they're bringing to Xbox Game Pass is Frostpunk 2, the sequel to Frostpunk, which is like a uh, it's like a city building kind of game, very stylish, kind of steampunk aesthetic, you know. And, but set in the world of Frost, so it's Frostpunk. They also were the people behind This War of Mine. Uh, they announced that they are deepening their partnership with Microsoft and plan to bring a bunch of games from their portfolio to the Xbox Game Pass in the future. Frostpunk 2 is now the only confirmed game coming to PC Game Pass and Xbox Game Pass day one, uh, but further game additions will be from the 11-bit studio portfolio in the future at a later date. Um... Other games like The Invincible, South of the Circle, and Children of Morta are already on Xbox, among some others. So the team will probably be bringing those games along with some others to this the um, the the service. Uh, here's a blurb from the announcement of Frostpunk 2. As a steward in Frostpunk 2, you will oversee an ever-growing metropolis and be required to carefully weigh the na- the needs and demands of its society. Your people are concerned with the fate of their children and crimes on the streets. They complain about unhealthy squalor, escalated by the industrial growth, but need places to work. Uh, and if and what if you cannot afford to reward their toil with food and shelter or take care of their health? You can't please everyone, and when radical factions start rising, it only takes a tiny spark for the boy intention to blow up. So, yeah, uh, Frostpunk, I think, was a sleeper hit the year that it came out. It's definitely been more played now, I guess. <laughs> Um, I didn't really hear about it until recently, so um, yeah. Um, I mean, the 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 gameplay trailer. I'm not. I guess the announcement trailer looks pretty good. It uh, if you want to check that out, it's on Eleven Bit Studios. Uh, visually, looks really nice. Uh, we'll see how it how it all comes together. Ace Combat Seven: Skies Unknown, which originally came out in like I don't know twenty fucking fifteen, twenty sixteen something, um, is officially coming to. The Switch in July. Um, it has not been on the Switch yet, and they are bringing a complete edition or a deluxe edition onto the Switch in July. So the 11th of July, it'll be available. It'll include mostly all the DLCs minus the DLC that was based off of properties like Top Gun Maverick. Uh, those will be available to download uh, after... Uh, they'll be available to purchase after the launch of the game, so it's, it's not a part of the deluxe edition. Uh, so the the Lux edition is going to include Ace Combat Seven: Skies Unknown, uh, the base game, along with three original aircraft sets and three SP missions, which I think were pre-order stuff for the original game. Uh, part one through six of the DLC um, for the game, uh, bonus music player mode, a playable aircraft, the F ten one hundred four C Avril. <laughs> A new playable aircraft called the Phantom Two, three popular aircraft skins from the past series, and eight popular emblems from the past series as well. So sounds like you're getting a good amount of content here. Uh, people are wondering if there's going to be motion controls or maybe a gyro mode for the game. Um, I guess we don't really know just yet, I guess. They didn't really detail anything like that. But, uh, yeah, the, the Switch version is planning to recreate the lush detail of the original releases um, with a bunch of new extras. Uh, there will also be a mode called Wingman, where two to eight players can commence multiplayer combat. So there you go. Sounds pretty good. I never got around to playing this, even though I do have it on Steam. And I also bought, like, an entire 
Thrustmaster um, thing for the PC to play it, but uh, never got around to doing that. It seems like kind of a waste of money at this point, huh? But uh, I'm sure I'll get to it eventually. It's, it's on my list. Lunar Lander Beyond. Uh, this is Atari's latest revival of a classic game. This is based on the Lunar Lander game where you had to pilot your little landing craft to the surface of a planet without bumping into anything. Um, obviously, this is much more stylized. It seems like there's um, some highly animated sequences and cutscenes to kind of link together the gameplay segments, which is kind of interesting. Looks like there will also be a lot more versatility, like a lot more flying, a lot more stuff like that. Seems to be more physics-based, I guess, or maybe about the same amount of physics, I guess, <laughs> for since the original game. But, um, yeah, they're planning on releasing this soon, coming soon, so we don't know exactly when it's coming out. But it seems, to, I mean, the visual flair is, is really nice. This is coming out pretty much everything, including Switch, Steam, Epic Games, Xbox, and PlayStation. Uh, if you want to check out the trailer, it's on Atari's YouTube channel. It doesn't look that bad, honestly. Um, but, uh, yeah, this is being helmed by Dreams Incorporated, who is known for the their RPGs, like Chris Tales, if you know what that is. Um, but, yeah, there's the, 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 the visual style of the game is very um, animated for the cutscenes. Also, the main game itself is also very colorful, kind of mysterious, I guess. Um, there are some sections that remind me of that... Um, Oh, that one game that came out for free on PlayStation Plus a long, long time ago, back when it first came out. PlayStation 4 first came out. Um, Pixel Unknown? No. What was it? I forget what it was called. Wow, I'm, I'm, I'm totally blanking here. Oh, well. It kind of reminds me of that game, if you know what that game is. It, 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 it's like a game where you use like, water and stuff. It's very physics-based. You're a little ship, and you're trying to save people. I don't remember what it was called at this point. It's on the tip of my tongue. I just can't think of it at this moment. All right. Uh, finally, for the new games, New Star GP is coming out. It's combining some retro styles with, with advanced arcade driving and some simulation elements. This is a new F1 racing game called New Star GP. And, yes, it kind of looks like virtual racing or, you know, like a pole position, if you know what that game is. Um Essentially, uh, you'll, you'll play as a driver, and you'll race on courses. And essentially, uh, when you do, like, pit stops and stuff like that, you got to manage your gas and your wheels and, and your engine components and stuff like that. Um, also, there's multiple courses to choose from that can be affected by weather, like rain and snow and stuff like that. Also, different terrain that you're driving on, like pavement, cement, etc. Um, there's different viewpoints, like first-person view, cinematic view, and third-person view. Um, there's a full career mode with, uh, starting in the eighties and working your, all the way, your way up through the decades of racing. You can upgrade your car and your team as you work your way up through the ranks. There's a championship mode and a quick play mode as well with split screen multiplayer and a host of customization options for your car driver and championships, custom championships. Um, this will be heading to PlayStation and other platforms, uh, in March, sometime in March, not specifically given a date, but sometime in March. And finally, here are 10 games that are leaving the PlayStation Plus service, uh, the extra service. Uh, so make sure to play these before the 20th of February, 2024. Uh, so we got Tacoma, Resident Evil 7, Biohazard, Tekken 7, uh, Ace Combat 7, Skies Unknown, Oninaki, Lost Sphere, I Am Setsuna, Thomas Was Alone, Hugh, 
and Lost Worlds Beyond the Page. Some pretty good games here being taken away. If you haven't yet and you have the service, play Thomas Was Alone. That is a great game. It's short. It's sweet. It's narrated beautifully. Um, make sure you check that one out. Also, you know, Resident Evil 7 is a really good game, really good horror game. Uh, Hue is a pretty good 2D platformer based on colors and puzzles. Uh, Tekken 7, great fighting game, very technical fighting game. And I just talked about Ace Combat 7. Um, obviously, people really love that game. So there you go. That is that is it for this episode. Let's go ahead and switch over to Guess That Song. If you know what the song's name is and the game that it came from, I will give you a free super reaction in the ch- in the Discord. Or if you comment on YouTube, I will give you a, um, a heart and a congratulations um, in, in as well. Last week's song, apparently no one guessed. Uh, or maybe people forgot to guess. Um, but it was uh, from the Cult of the Lamb soundtrack. And it was the song... Start a cult. I'm pretty sure. I was listening through the entire soundtrack when I was editing, so I kind of have a lot uh, that I've listened to in the past week here. Um, but I'm pretty sure it was Start a Cult from the Cult of the Lamb soundtrack um, because I talked about the Sins of the Flesh DLC coming out, which is already available now if you want to check that out. Um, so unfortunately, no one got that one. But let's see if people can get this one. If you know the song name and the game that it was on, let me know. Let's listen to the song right now. Okay, if you know that song, let me know in the comments below or in the Discord. Link down below if you want to join the Discord. We do a lot of fun stuff there. You can also keep track of everything that I do, including streaming on Monday, Tuesday, Thursdays, and Saturdays. Uh, Right now we're playing Neo and Captain Toad Treasure Tracker, along with Power Wash Simulator on the weekend. Uh, On Thursdays, every other Thursday, we do a live recording of Ferret Cafe. Uh, A new episode is coming up this week, starting around 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, if you want to check that out. Or the uh, VOD version and the podcast version, the audio version, will be available the week after, the Thursday after that. So if you want to check that out, there you go. Also, I do another podcast called Film Freaks with a Z, where we talk about movies. The latest episode is about Stranger Than Fiction. The next episode is going to be Fight Club. Yes. No. The next episode is going to be... Her. <laughs> Her. <laughs> oh, man, I am jumbled w- with my uh, Film Freaks uh, stuff here right now. Uh, we're getting back to a normal schedule, though, for almost everything. I know it's been a little bit chaotic at the end of the month here, at the end of the year. Um, so, uh, hey, we're going back to normal episodes at this point. Normal schedule. So uh, I will talk to you guys next week uh, for another episode of Fair 64. Have a good week or weekend. I'm Yammer the Ferret, and I am out of here. So long. The Ferret 64 podcast is owned and edited by Yemi the Ferret. The song Nightshade, used in the intro and outro, is owned by Adhesive Wombat. Small sound clips during the podcast were made by Yemi the Ferret. News sources include NintendoLife.com, PushSquare.com, and PureXbox.com. All opinions video game related are my own. Thank you for listening.